This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. So uh, I think I've been living in this part of Cincinnati now 20 plus years, 20 plus years. I think that's how it works. Since 1990, I made my way this direction, east side, uh, driving around Eastgate Mall, all that. And I have to say this, and those of you that have been living here a while, I've never seen traffic so bad. I mean, come on. I, anywhere you go, you're, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been driving with Shan. I'm like, Shan, it's only 2 o'clock. Where are these people going? What is going on? I mean, some places that, you know, you figure, oh, it's going to take me 10 minutes, but at certain times, like at 4.30 or 5 or, uh, you know, early in the morning, you, you better count the journeys that would take you 10 minutes are going to take you 30 minutes. Why? Because people are everywhere, all over the place. And because everyone is here and there's so much traffic and so, many, so much congestions, guess what happens? Uh, tempers rise, frustrations rise, people start getting more and more grumpy. Um, you know, this past few years, I don't know how many times I've been yelled at, insulted, told I'm number one. <laughs> I'm like, you're number one too, bud, in my heart. Right? I mean, we, we experienced it. The other day, Shannon and I were coming down. We we're down Clough Pike. We'll take a left end of our, our, our road. And, of course, the traffic was, was just nonstop. And there was this, this guy that was at the top of our road, and he was trying to turn left into oncoming traffic. And he was sitting there like us, waiting and waiting and waiting. And I could just I could tell. He was in his truck, and I could just tell. You know, it was like so obvious. The blood pressure was... And the guy was getting madder and madder, steaming out of his ears, like, rah, 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 and you see the mouth starting to go. And he's like, I mean, dude, it's only been five minutes. You better be ready for the long haul, because it's going to be like 20 minutes before you find a break. Anyway, he was getting, you know what he did? Next thing I see is he slams his truck into reverse, backs up, and pulls into the driveway, and starts going off. Another. That's what's happening in our culture these days. And the way we know that primarily is by reading people's lips and hearing what they have to say, right? We know that people are not happy, frustrated, and grumpy, and prone to anger. Why? Because of the things they communicate with their mouth. It comes out of them. You know, Jesus was having a conversation about what makes a person clean. What makes a person clean? And, and the religious leaders of the time were putting a heavy emphasis on what you ate, what you put in your mouth. But Jesus pointed out something. He said, hey, it's not what you put in your mouth that makes a man clean or unclean. It's what comes out. Listen, listen to what he says, Matthew 5, 18. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these things defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but not eating what is with unwashed hands does not defile them. What comes out of, a, out of your mouth is what reflects what's inside of your heart, and that what determines a person's cleanliness or not. But we have a problem these days, don't we? We have a problem these days with words, with negative words, stuff spewing out of our mouth 
that are harmful and offensive. There was a rabbi that was uh, doing a tour. A rabbi's name is Rabbi Joseph Tolshkin. I have to look it up here. He uh, was lecturing through the country. He was the author of a, a book that was titled Words That Hurt, Words That Heal. And uh, he would lecture, and what he would do is gather a crowd together, and he would begin by uh, introducing himself, and he would give us this question. How many of you can commit to go 24 hours without saying something negative? And there would be an awkward chuckle, and maybe one or two people would raise their hand. But by and large, uh, when most people could, in all honesty, raise their hand and admit that they could not go 24 hours without saying some kind of negative comment, without some kind of nasty, without some kind of critique, without some kind of cut. Listen to what he had to say regarding that. He said, if you can't go 24 hours without drinking liquor, you're addicted to alcohol. If you can't go 24 hours without smoking, you're addicted to nicotine. So if you can't go 24 hours without saying unkind words about others, then you've lost control over your tongue. And the implication is, is that you are addicted. You are addicted to negative words. You are addicted to negative words. Every post, every tweet, every comment. Those who share different views of the world or politics, blast them. Flambe those who don't do what we think they ought to do in the time we think they ought to do it. Roast them. We're addicted to negative words, and we have a problem. And according to Jesus' insight, the issue is not the words. The issue is what? The heart. Jesus said, it's not what goes in a person that makes them clean, it's what comes out. And what comes out, what comes out of our mouths, finds its source, finds its origins in our heart. And so the issue regarding words and our addiction with words and, and dealing with overcoming negative words, it's not a mouth issue, it's not a word issue, it's not a training of that per se. No, it's a heart issue. It's dealing with hearts. And the truth is, is that heart work is hard work. And heart work in every one of us is work that goes beyond our pay grade, to be honest. Heart work is work that only God can help us with. And only God can provide solutions and transformation and change. See, the heart, according to Scripture, according to the teachings of the Bible, the heart is the center of a, being, of a person's being. It's, it's that thing that we would say it's our inner world. It's our, our spirit, our soul. And as human beings, we are not compartments. No, we're whole. And so what's going on in our heart will, of course, manifest itself in our lives, in the physical, and the way that works. Of course, see, that's why the source of words come from within our heart. And so if we're going to be interested in finding a solution for the issue of negative words, being addicted to, to words, being words that don't honor the calling that we have in Christ, in following God, if we're going to deal with that, we have to start with the heart and ask the question, how can my heart be transformed? How can heart change be made? The story of Christianity 
is that God has provided a way for us to be right with Him. It's something undeserved, we say. None of us qualified for it. None of us were good enough. None of us earned enough brownie points or God points, whatever points we want to have, uh, to get a place where we can be at the place where we say, I'm right with God. But he provided a way, and he provided that way. We just celebrated that in communion time, provided a way. Those of us that took communion, we professed, I believe this. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and that provided a way in which if I believe that I am made right with God, and I can live right with God, and the beauty of being made right with God is, is God takes residence in our life. He dwells in our heart, we say, by His Spirit, right? We talk about that. He dwells in our heart by His Spirit, and in His dwelling, that's the means by which transformation occurs. And what I've come to observe is that the door that opens up our heart to let into the Spirit of God the, the, the first door, if you'd like, because maybe there are multiple doors that we have to open up in the course of our walking with God and learning about God, but the first door that opens up our hearts, the first door is simply saying thank you, gratitude. Because in gratitude, we recognize that we do not deserve what God gives us, and we accept his good gift of grace. And gratitude is the foundation. I agree with what Cicero said. Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, he said, but the parent of all others. Gratitude. Gratitude. Author Dr. Robert A. Emmons defines gratitude as having two parts. He said, gratitude is one, affirming goodness in one's life, and this is the reason, and recognizing that the sources of this goodness lie in least, at least partially outside of the self. It is the recognizing that there's goodness in life, and it's recognizing that that goodness is not in, comes from ourselves, but it comes from another. And that's the basis of accepting God in our life. That's the basis of grace. I don't deserve what is good in my life. It is a gift given to me by God. And as I say thank you, I am in the act of submitting, of receiving that and acknowledging that. Thank you is the key to heart change. But it's so hard to be grateful these days, isn't it? It's so hard to practice gratitude. We're so busy running 100 miles an hour, we don't have time to just ponder of all the things that we have. We look on Facebook and we see that, that our friends have better lives than us. How can I be thankful when she's getting married? He's having a, a, a beautiful job situation, blah, blah, blah. Everyone is doing so much better than me. How can I be thankful? When the good stuff comes and we're excited about the good things, we're thankful, but it soon wears off because what is new becomes old, and then we all of a sudden realize, eh, someone else has got it, it's old, and we lose this, this, this practice of gratitude because the, old, the new has worn off. We have a hard time being grateful because, let's be honest, we live in a culture of neg negativity. We live in a culture that's turned out to be a bunch of screamers, cussers, people that are stirring up our feelings of, 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 of discontent. 
It's easier to criticize. It's easier to throw stones than it is to, to, to be grateful. So we live in a culture that's working against us. It's hard to be grateful, and we have a lot of stuff going against us in that. But I would say that the number one reason why it's so hard to be grateful is because we have an issue with pride. We believe that we deserve what we got. And then somehow we talk ourselves into thinking that we earned it, we got it on our own, and we don't have to thank anybody because we are Americans, independent, self-reliant. We're going to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We're going to get up and make things happen. And when we do that, we have nobody to thank but ourselves. And we really believe that. And we take to an extreme this, this concept of paddle your own canoe. And it's a good thing to take personal responsibility. But we take it beyond that. We take it beyond what is real. We take it beyond it because we have this, this, this notion, this propensity to believe the lie that, that happiness can be determined by ourselves, with ourselves, in ourselves. But it's not true. See, God made us not to be independent or dependent. He made us to be interdependent, to recognize, to recognize that we have things to give, but all things that we give come from another. Come from another. We didn't, we didn't birth ourselves, raise ourselves, right? Most of us don't even make our own food. We go to a restaurant and eat out, right? We don't make the roads we drive on. We don't, we don't make the clothes we wear. No, we live a life of interdependence. And when it comes to God, when it comes to God, we have received more than we, have, we give. Why? Because that's the nature of grace. And the foundation of gratitude is the acceptance of God's gift of grace. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. When we give thanks, we live the Christian life. I, I agree with what Vance Havner said regarding Christians. We need to be probably the, the most thankful people because of grace. He said, our biggest problem in the church today is this vast majority of Sunday morning Christians who claim to have known the Master's cure and return not at other times to thank him by presence, prayer, testimony, and support of his church. In fact, here it is, the whole Christian life is one big thank you the living expression of our gratitude to God for His goodness. But we take Him for granted, and what we take for granted, we never take seriously. What we take for granted, we never take seriously. Grace begets, births gratitude, and from gratitude, our hearts are changed, and our words have their origin. We're about to start a journey through the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs simply is about wisdom. Wisdom it comes from a basic word, skill. And Proverbs is learning to apply the truth of God with skill so that you might come up with the right thing at the right time for the right results. You might say the right thing in the right way for the right results. 
It all has to come together for wisdom to be, to be active. And when you look at the book of Proverbs, you're like, whoa, there's a hundred million different sayings, two-line two sayings that are pretty cool, pretty cool. And you wonder, is this, is this really a book that has a totality? Is there a theme that runs through it? Is there a connection for the Because there's so many different things, so many different sayings, so many one-liners, two-liners, three-liners, 12-liners, I don't know. But there's so many things in the book of Proverbs. And you would think, what, what's the line that connects it all? And the line that connects the book of problems throughout, the theme that connects throughout is this. Wisdom comes from God. And if you want to live a life of wisdom by the skillful living that God gives, the first and foremost step is this. Make the commitment to be right with God that comes by grace. The way Proverbs says it is, the fear of the Lord... The reverence, the honor of the Lord is the beginning of being in a place where you can live by wisdom. The Word of God applied to life for the right results in the right time, for the right, right way. The fear of the Lord. The beginning of living for God is that when you come to a place where you honor God in all things, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And throughout, you see this line connecting every single proverb, because every single proverb harkens back to that, harkens back to the fact that the foundation for wisdom comes from being in a right place with God. And what Proverbs tells us regarding words is that grace begets gratitude and gratitude begets words of thanks that create thankfulness and good in life. What we find in Proverbs is the affirmation of the truth that our words are sourced in our heart and our heart being grounded in gratitude that, that, that is really an application of grace means that our words of thanks, our words of gratitude come out of our mouth and there are words that spread good, shine light, bring about the virtues of God in our life number of ways that uh, is laid out. Proverbs 15, 23 is, is our, our proverb for today. And I, I've got a number, I'm going to share with you a number of different English versions so that we just kind of get the feel of it. But check out what it says. Proverbs 15, 23, New American Standard Bible. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. The New International Version, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time, New Living Translation. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? Everyone who enjoys giving good advice, and how wonderful, everyone enjoys giving good advice, and how wonderful it is to be able to say the right thing at the right time. <laughs> to give an appropriate answer is a joy. How good is a word at the right time. Words of thanks stir up thankfulness. Words of thanks stir up thankfulness. If we're going to be change agents for God, if we're going to be individuals who reflect 
heart transformation because we have accepted grace, it is going to come out of our mouths. And the primary word I think that will come out, the primary two words is, thank you. Thank you. Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesians, says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to the needs that may, that it may benefit those who listen. See, the way it works is that God at work in my life transforms my heart. How does that happen? Well, I open the door to my heart by saying thank you, acceptance of His grace, and living by that perspective, that, that point of view regarding life. And in doing that, it changes my perspective of every part of my life. And so when I go to Kroger, and I'm standing in the checkout line, and the young person who is there checking me through, and that person is checking me with a pretty good attitude, there's a smile on his face. You can tell he's concentrating on doing the job efficiently and well, providing service as best to his ability. And when he does that, I walk up to him and I say thank you. Why do I say thank you? I say thank you because that's my perspective of life. God in me reminds me that I'm undeserving, that all good things come from him. And so guess what? This young man is a gift. And so I say thank you. I say thank you, young man, for concentrating and trying to do your job as well as you can. Thank you for not being a scowl and a grump, for, for, for paying attention to what you're doing. When I say thank you, I also acknowledge the reality that, you know what? Here I am, the United States of America, and I'm in a store, and I'm buying food from all parts of the world that have been provided for me to select and choose. And, and this is just an amazing thing. And our forefathers, young man, guess what? They, they cleared the land and provided us the ability to build this store so that I could come in here and purchase that. And when I purchase that, I, I'm just so thankful for what I have. These bananas, bananas, you see, I thought I'd say that for you. Bananas coming down the, the, the conveyor belt. Well, they're from Ecuador. Thankful for those farmers in Ecuador that, that grew those bananas, that sold to Kroger, that I can buy. And I'm thankful for this amazing little piece of card that's plastic. Isn't technology amazing? It's got this thing called a chip, and I can shove it into, a, into another machine that reads that chip, and I, all the numbers work out, and I can pay for it, and I can walk out with a grocery bag full of stuff that I didn't grow, that I didn't slave over to kill anything to get. I mean, this is amazing. Thank you. And I can look you in the eye, young man, and I can smile at you, and I can say thank you in all honesty, in all genuineness, because God is in my life, and I want to know, you to know that because God is in my life, I, I've, my life has been changed, and that there's a God who loves you just as much as He loves me. And I want you to know there are good people in this world. And I know probably you have a couple of people that are sour and grumpy and mean and say wicked things to you as you go through, but I'm not one of them. And I'm not one of them. Why? Because grace begets gratitude. Gratitude begets words of thanks out of my mouth. You know, The practice of gratitude, and we're so interested in being difference makers, the practice of gratitude is really the grease in the wheels of good things. 
You know, the studies show that when you are grateful and express genuine gratitude for, for services rendered, it's motivating to the people that are serving you. They want to serve you more. They, they want to, to honor you more. And this applies where we live, to our house, to, to our, our relationship with our spouse, to our children. It applies to the people that, that we live with and work with. Gratitude begets thankfulness and more goodness. Came across a story in a number of places that I think illustrates this. It illustrates this on the good side, but it also illustrates this on the tragic side. A man named William Stigger, I believe, was a preacher 25 years ago, came to the point when he realized, you know, he remembered a, a teacher from his elementary school days, I believe, that was his English teacher, that um, introduced him to literature, introduced him to his love uh, of books, and so he thought, you know what? I don't know where she is, what she's done. He was convicted in his heart, maybe led by the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm, I'm going to write her a letter of thanks, and he did. He wrote her a letter of thanks, atoning for his omission of never thanking her for what she did. He wrote to his teacher, and, and this is a letter that he received back from said teacher. My dear Willie, I'm now an old lady in my 80s, living alone in a small room, cooking my own meals, lonely and seemingly like the last leaf of fall left behind. You'll be interested to know, Willie, that I taught school for over 50 years, for 50 years, and in all that time, yours is the first note of appreciation I ever received. Came on a cold, on a blue, cold morning, and it cheered my lonely old heart as nothing has cheered me in many years. Jesus laid out a challenge for us. He said, if you're going to be my community, if you're going to be my people, you're going to be light in a dark world. That note of appreciation, light in a dark world. Grace begets gratitude. When we say thank you for the gift that we have received from God, it transforms our perspective on how we live. We realize that God is the giver of all good things, and I am just a conduit of, of grace, and I have everything to thank, be thankful for. This is a world of darkness because of the bitterness and the anger. Just like I said at the beginning, just go for a drive around 4 o'clock in Claremont County. You will see how dark it is. Just slow down when people think you need to speed up. Turn right when people think you're supposed to said you were going to turn left. Just, just be an inconvenience to them in some way, and you'll find out how dark it is real quickly. Bitterness flows in our conversations from our tweets and our posts and our, con our chats and our snaps. And if we're going to be a light in this dark world, we need to understand that we're going to counteract it with sweet words of thank you. Why? Because grace begets gratitude. Gratitude begets words of thanks. You know, research further shows that say, sharing words of thanks not only cheers the heart of the person serving, it also motivates them 
to do good for others too. It's like, it's like a chain effect. We talk about paying it forward, but just saying thank you to someone in a genuine, uh, heartfelt well, looking them in the eye and honoring them for what they are giving to you motivates them to do the same for others. It's contagious. And can you imagine if we became a community characterized, yes, by good works, yes, by preaching the truth, but primarily we became a community characterized of individuals that honored others in a genuine way with thanksgiving. What a light that would shine. And what a change that would be made. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. Dick Dye was a missionary in Acapulco, Mexico. He went to Acapulco, and he went on faith. He didn't have much of anything, no resources, not much of a plan. Two months he struggled to get started a church there in Acapulco, Mexico. It's 1973. And during that struggle, every day he would look out onto the mountains of Acapulco, and there was this cross that was there. And every time he saw the cross, it warmed his heart. It, it encouraged him to keep going, to keep doing, to, to keep pursuing what God was doing in his life to establish some churches there in Acapulco, Mexico. After two months, he said, ah, i got to act on this. And he decided, i, I got to go find out what this cross is all about. And so he got into his vehicle. He drove over to the place where the cross was, up the mountain, and he came, and he discovered that the cross was mounted on a hotel. He walked into the lobby of the hotel and said, I need to talk to somebody. The lady said, what do you need to talk to? I need to talk to someone who's in charge of that cross. The lady said, why, why, why do you want to talk to them? So I, I need to say thank you. Receptions let him in, and she introduced him to the owner of the hotel, who was a German man. And the German man said, what do you need? What, what, what's going on? And, and, and the missionary, Dick Dye, said, I just want to thank you for your cross. For two months, I've been laboring hard to, to establish the church here in the city. I've been really hard. And your cross, your courage in putting a cross on your hotel has, has, has been a source of, of, of motivation I want to thank you for that. The hotel owner teared up, started to weep. He said, thank you. You are the first person that has thanked me for that cross. In fact, I've heard nothing but grief and criticism and opposition because I put a cross on my hotel. The hotel owner said, what can I do for you? Dick says, I, I'm not sure. We don't have much of anything. The hotel owner says, well, do you, where do you meet? I don't meet anywhere. Hotel owner said, come with me. Took him down, and there in the hotel had a chapel. Hotel owner said, you know, we have services here 9 and 11, but at 10 o'clock, this chapel is yours. No charge. From meeting in that chapel, Dick was able to establish four vibrant congregations in Acapulco, Mexico. Why? Because he said, thank you. He didn't say, woe is me. <sighs> Why has God abandoned me? No. Thankfulness stirs up thankfulness that brings about good, the light in this world. And the challenge is, is if we're going to be a community of light, if we're going to talk about being difference makers, it's got to start 
with our mouths in the day-to-day practice because out of the mouth comes from what's in the heart. And if what's in the heart, according to what you've professed on your faith, that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that you've accepted grace and that you're so thankful that you are now a child of God, living with the Spirit of God in you, then that grace was let in because you came to the point where you just said, thank you, God. And gratitude begets words of thanks, and words of thanks stir up thankfulness in others. Be a light in the world. Be thankful. Recognize that we have every reason to give thanks, every reason to have our perspective change regarding this world. Resist pride, the whispering of the enemy, the devil in your ear saying, you did it, you deserve it, it's all on you, it's all from you, it's all because of you. God does not know what he's doing, you do. Lies. It's the way of death. Grace begets gratitude. Gratitude begets words of thanks. Words of thanks invokes goodness and light in our world. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org. 